Hi, everyone. This is Ami Joseph. Welcome to another edition of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. In this segment, Andrew and Felix and I will discuss uh, the reopening trade in uh, the economy as far as Andrew's sector, hedge communications, internet, and media are concerned and with laterals into uh, both China and technology along the way. Andrew, um, great to have you back. Uh, as I mentioned on episode six, Felix and I managed to discuss some of these topics, but we really missed you that one. And I think your space has a lot of changes when we go from shutdown to reopen. Like, you know, when you're shut down, and you're at home all the time, you're consuming content 24-7 on your little screw, tiny screen. And when reopened, in theory, I'm talking like, you know, 100,000 feet here, obviously. But when you reopen, uh, you can go back to the theater, back to the movies, back to get your popcorn, whatever. So um, I want to understand, there's a lot of moving pieces here, even including like the carriers and the Celex and the, and the cable guys. Like, how... How do you think about the fundamentals? And then also, like, as part of that, like, you know, obviously the market's been kind of sniffing this for at least nine months, maybe 12. So um, tell me, like, where you think we are in terms of, like, people modeling, thinking, trading, equities being positioned, that kind of stuff. Um, that's a big softball question, but feel free to attack that wherever you want to go. Yeah, sorry, I missed uh... – I missed last week, and I also apologize for my dog barking in the background. Oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the life that we live. Um, so the reopening trade's been really interesting um, because obviously we saw a, a really big rebound off the kind of lows of November of last year, um, kind of the lows for a lot of these out-of-home names. And when I think about a home in my space, I think of, you know, the movie theaters with Cinemark. Specifically, there's a lot of um, outdoor advertising. There's two outdoor advertising REITs, right, with Outfront. Uh, media and then Lamar Advertising, which does the billboards. Um, they also, um, in the case of Outfront, they, they actually have a contract with the MTA in New York uh, tri-state area. So if you've ever gone on Metro North or you've ever been in the subway and you've seen advertising in a car, um, chances are it was um, Outfront. So, you know, those have been slower to recover, um, but, the, but the equities, the, the stock prices, obviously, to your point on me, are leading. And so I think, you know, we saw a really – strong first move coming off in November uh, into about the middle of February, which is kind of when the broader market kind of peaked out. And, and I think, you know, some of these stocks kind of got ahead of themselves a little bit, so it makes sense to see them pause here. But I, I do think that kind of the next wave um, is, you know, for those names specifically, is really going to be like the back half of 21 into 2022. Um, because when we think about the recovery in their fundamentals, like they're going to be the last. Um, and if we think about you know, engagement being a leading indicator of ad dollars, right? Because ad dollars will eventually chase the consumer and where the eyeballs are going. Um, you know, if we look at it in the U.S., at least with the rate of vaccinations, kind of, you know, most of the population being vaccinated or having the ability to get vaccinated um, by kind of the middle, by, by the end of May. Um, <clears throat> so expecting some pretty, you know, robust activity, um, people leaving their house. We saw this a little bit with spring break recently. Um, we've seen it with travel coming back, which is a positive. So all signs are pointing to kind of this pent-up demand thesis starting to play out. Um, I think it kind of goes bonkers 
in the second quarter in the summer, especially going into July and August. I just don't know if anybody's going to actually be working. <laughs> they're just going to be outside there. You know, they're just going to be on vacation. They're going to be, you know, socializing. Um, a lot of things that we haven't been able to do for 12 plus kind of, you know, 12 to 18 months. And then you also have to think about, do you kind of have this added kicker? Because probably sometime by like the fourth quarter into next year, like there will be some type of return to normal, right? We're going to, you know, offices are going to go back, you know, open back up. We're going to have the first real going back to school season. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, the summer is shaping up to be really strong, um, which is why we've been kind of positioning ourselves the way we have. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you know, these stocks are going to do fairly well. And then on the digital side, you know, it was a case of pull forward. And, and it's and it's a lot of it's just the, a reversion trade. Like, you know, like we saw this huge pull forward of digital adoption last year due to COVID. Um, you know, it was probably overdone. So in reopening, you do see some type of, you know, that consumption patterns change. Um, and just this last earnings season has been really interesting because, like, you have a Pinterest, for example, that, you know, is a more content, you know, content-oriented platform. It's not traditional social media. Um, they saw, um, you know, user trends. They saw user trends slow uh, fairly quickly um, in mid-March into April, which is probably not surprising because that's kind of when spring break happened. If you look at Netflix's numbers, they also posted week Q1 results on the sub side. We've seen a lot of the weakness in the data that we track for mobile app downloads, users, and some of the other survey data points. So <laughs> the question becomes, you know, how, how long is this going to last for? And I think if the answer is it lasts for, you know, at least through the summer. Um, and so we've been kind of, at the same time, you know, we have really difficult comparisons for a lot of the, the digital companies like Aroku, Pinterest, um, Snapchat, et cetera. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, we're going to see kind of capital flow back and continue to flow into these Idaho names as kind of the entire economy level sets itself. Or, yeah, we basically reweight, right, back to kind of a more normal ratio of kind of digital to, you know, out of home or or native or however you want to, you know, describe it. Um, and, you know, we're just going to be tracking the data, you know, along the way. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this for a long time, so we're pretty well positioned. I mean, obviously timing is everything, um, but as far as kind of the next six to 12 months go, yeah, I, it's, as far as the advertising trends, which I've been really mostly focused on, because um, they're going to have the greatest impact, I feel like I have a pretty good idea of, you know, how to play it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, kind of it. I mean, the reopening is what everyone's been focusing on, um, probably to the – like, probably to a lot of people's disadvantage, right, because you miss out on kind of, like, longer-term durable trends. So, like, weakness in, you know, some of these larger-cap larger cap secular growers that are high quality, um, you know, that are kind of underperforming here. Like, I think it's – as they digest, like, the massive pull forward of demand from COVID, I think – you know, those become increasingly more interesting on the long side. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, like everything else, we'll, we'll, we'll get a turn at some point. Okay, so um, there's a lot there. I'll just just I'll pick up on that last part um, because, like, that's personally, like, I, I hate that category where um, – like I much prefer 
Like you're, you know, figuring out, okay, this is the disruptor, the new player, uh, the market is this big. Here's the penetration curve. Here's where this wins. Here's the, here's where the, the disruptor doesn't win. Um, here's the legitimate, like, servable, addressable market. Here's where we are against that. Love that. Love that stuff. But the, you know, we just <laughs> hit the hard comp in February. Um, we'll probably ease up on that comp in December. So we have to get long again in November. Uh, by the way, to change the timing, if I'm like getting the timing wrong there, but like, you know, it, it, it's just, and then of course we have to like sell those six months later because we'll be hitting another hard comp. It's like, I don't, that kind of stuff is not interesting to me. Um, typically <laughs> as an investor, I'd rather be thinking about like a two to four, for the most part, I'd like to prefer to be thinking about the medium to long term. Um, now there are, there are times where you can use those kinds of comps. I find at least like uh, on your side. Like for example, if it's like a bombed out uh, company that nobody cares about, or it's heavily shorted, or whatever, and it's super cheap, and they're about to have some really easy comps, and that's okay. You'll take that. Like that's I'll, I like those kinds of things. But when you're dealing with secular growers who are facing tough comps, it's like ah oh, no no no. I it's just <laughs> I think I don't know. So tell me what you how you're thinking about that so it sounds because it sounds like you're getting ready to like i don't know be more positive on these names so when would that be you think that's november you think that's next year you think that's sooner um mm -hmm. and then yeah look I, and, yeah. yeah sorry go ahead answer that one and then i'll ask the other questions yeah no I, I was just gonna say i mean look i think it's important to i mean the way i think about it is like i know like i i know who my secular growers are i know who my long-term winners are and i have a pretty good a pretty solid understanding of just market share dynamics and you know, who's winning and who's losing. So it's kind of like picking your horse, you know, for the, you know, who, who you're going to ride, right, in the long term. Um, you know, in the shorter term, it's just more tactical, right? So it's just how do you communicate longer term ideas in terms of conviction in the shorter run, right? Like, so, you know, you could be like, you could, like, I don't like Netflix, right? But like, you know, you could make the argument that Netflix is going to, like, make a real, like, continue to, you know, just grow subscribers and, you know, the bull cases that they're under, still underpenetrated and they grow ARPU and they're going to be a long-term winner, right? I'm, I'm not saying I agree with all that. I'm just saying, like, that's the bull case. Um, but does that mean that, like, you would want to have, like, been buying Netflix aggressively or had Netflix to be, like, your number one position in your portfolio in July of last year? No. Like, I mean, after it just had a 30% move higher? No, right? So, I think it's just that that's kind of how I think about it, just in communicating like nuance. Like there's obviously the long-term secular bull, you know, secular thesis and trends, right? Like, I mean, a great example is probably what happened with some of these legacy media stocks, right? Like totally just got bombed out last year. Um, you, we saw a massive shift to winners and with the TV advertising complex basically blowing up, which was a, you know, um, you know, a watershed event and, you know, windfall to Roku, right? And the acceleration to, you know, dollars going to CTV. So that really helped. So like last year in Q3, it's like, let's lean into Roku because they're going to, you know, see growth accelerate. And, you know, our long-term thesis is probably just got pulled forward by like a year or two. So this is great. Um, on, the, on the flip side, you know, going into November until like March of this year, we saw the rebound in, you know, a cyclical rebound in advertising dollars is coming back, partly driven by the election, but just in TV advertising. And so, you know, you have these bonded out secular losers like Discovery, AMC, 
agency networks, um, you know, just uh, Viacom, CBS, right? And so, like, at the same time, like last year, where everything was priced for absolute perfection in terms of secular growers, right? Like, you know, Netflix, you know, Zoom, Ami, you've done great work on. Um, but, like, you know, even that got, you know, pretty, you know, extended, I would, I would say. You can disagree with me on that in terms of just its valuation, right or wrong, at least in the very short term. Um, and then we've seen kind of those stocks underperform, but at the same time, like, yes, you, you know, we also saw like Viacom and some of these like out of favor names just probably get too cheap. Um, and so it's hard to hold on to those shorts if you're actually like managing a book, right? To like in a rate of change reacceleration after they've just been bombed out, even if your secular long-term thesis is still intact. So like what we did is like, we just took those off like the short side, like off the short bench, right? So we were just like, eh, this isn't interesting. Like to set up for the next six months isn't in our favor. Or, you know, is there a long, like a tactical long here? Probably, but can I make a long-term bull case? No. So, you know, the answer is like, all right, well, let's not go long because we don't really have a thesis. Let's, you know, we can short, you know, just take them off the short side and then increase kind of our exposure focus on the long side to like a Disney, right? Which we think would benefit from recovery that's much higher quality where we actually have a thesis and, and lean into that one. And then, you know, lo and behold, like we come into the year and then, you know, we're in this growth accelerating environment. The markets are getting squirrely, like everything is catching a bid going to the moon. And so then it's like, all right, well, at what point, then that opens up short opportunities, right? So then you could actually go back and revisit like get prices on the short side for some of these long-term losers that you know are long-term losers that you wouldn't have, like that you'd probably never have had previously, right? So, I mean, that's, and that's kind of what we did. It was just kind of sidestep this move on legacy media and, you know, attack those back at the highs earlier in this year. And I still think, you know, as kind of things reset because, like the, the multi, it's a multi-standard deviation move in terms of what's happening or what happened and is happening in terms of output growth, like across the board. We've never seen anything like this before. Um, and so it's not surprising to see this outside volatility, but that's, yeah, that's kind of, you know, how I'm thinking about it. And, and then some of these other names like, you know, Facebook, you know, we went long at the beginning of the year, right. And because we thought they were going to benefit from being growth, growth accelerating and a whole, a whole list of other things. Um, but it was attractively priced. So there's also a valuation component that I think about too, like relative value and, you know, what's been working, what's not, we have a sentiment score. There's just a lot of things that kind of go into the, that go into the cake when you're baking it, um, from an idea generation side. So, but, you know, from a research standpoint, like your winners are your winners, you know, like Google is going to win, Facebook's going to win, you know, it, it's pretty obvious, um, well, it's not obvious. Let me just say it's obvious. It's a highly competitive industry. You know, there's those that have access to capital and better, better management teams, um, right? Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll stop rambling on. I'll leave it at that. Okay, so I have like four comebacks on, that, on what you said, four like questions or whatever. The first one is just sort of like almost like a cute one, which is um, my children and I were discussing like Facebook and Disney the other day. And uh, when I noted that, you know, Facebook could buy Disney, I mean, obviously it'd be complicated, but they, they could buy Disney because they were worth like three times more or more or more than that. Um, at the time, my kids were like in shock 
from their experience of life, Disney should be worth much more than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's the, most, it's the most valuable it, company in the world. Yeah. Interesting thought process there, uh, you know, to thinking about the next generation and how they use products. Um, it, it, okay, so then the three others are just like wrapping up, like kind of like your thoughts. If I had to sum them up, it seems like since the beginning of the year, there's been almost like a short digital or short Netflix, long AMC type of trade in place. Um, and like AMC, like the movie theater company. Uh, um, and I'm just wondering, like, what are the other names you'd add to that, like, long side? Like, what else fits in that, like, reopening trade? And then, um, and then with, with that, like, divide of you've got, you know, kind of like the digital players on one side and the reopening players on the other, um, where does, like, cable and Verizon, like, telco fit on that pendulum, like, between those two ends? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that, that, that was, like, two out of the three. Yeah, the so, yeah. So, so, so on the on the first, you know, I, I already mentioned a lot of the names that I think benefit. I mean, you know, being long Cinemark is not for the pain of heart. Like, I mean, AMC is not a long, like, just making that clear. Like, it's not. It's probably a short, um, but it's, you know, anyway. But with, with the Cinemark, you know, that's, you know, clearly if you think that we're going to get a recovery in box office with a stronger tempo slate coming this summer, you know, I think that's, you know, the setup is attractive from a rate of change standpoint, also from an expectation standpoint um, <clears throat> and a sentiment because everyone thinks the movie theaters are dead. So, you know, that's been a more like higher volatile pick. Like a lot of these names have hair on them because they're not, they're more cyclical and they're not secular growers. Um, you know, we, I've talked about out front, uh, which is, you know, one example. Um, and then within digital, like there's all digital is not created equal. So, you know, match, for example, we talked a lot about match benefiting potentially from a reopening, just from people not being able to meet in person. It's not really digital native, it's hybrid, right? Because the whole point here is to meet somebody online and then, you know, meet up with them in person. But if bars and restaurants are closed, <clears throat> excuse me, that's obviously, you know, an issue. So, so that's that's kind of how I've been thinking about it. I mean, Google has travel, right? So search is really travel driven. So, um, you know, travel coming back early on in the quarter is obviously positive for them. And then, you know, and then, you know, and then some of like a Netflix, like, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if, if or when the turn is going to be for them. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that it's probably not going to be as bad just broadly speaking in terms of engagement trends. Like we're seeing a slowdown in engagement, but it's not like it's a massive slowdown. <clears throat> we're not, we're not giving back everything that we got during COVID. That's for, that's for sure. So anyway, so, so I think, um, yeah. So, okay. You know, without, I got without, giving so, away too, without giving away too much, that's kind of the. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I, I didn't mean to like step on like position monitor stuff regarding like AMC. I'm sorry. I was just sort of like trying. Oh to no, 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 no. I just no, no. I I know that. I was just I just wanted to okay. make that clear for this audience. Can I ask a, Can I ask one question about Outfront because um, I've always thought it was pretty interesting, but it was like flat stock for like I don't know four years since this after the spinoff. I'm talking about even like pre-COVID. Um, what do you think? that what like why wasn't it a good stock like before i'm saying before covid is there is there something that held it back and that's something that's going to be like unlocked now i always thought it was kind of like an interesting one uh, yeah like bullish I mean, i'm saying yeah it's interesting i mean it's hard to get like first of all like out of home advertising isn't growing 
that quickly, right? It's just, it's, it's stable, but it's not really growing. Um, and the bull case on now, you know, is around um, increasing, you know, digital along. I mean, that's basically the bull case for every company these days, right? Like you're taking this legacy business and you're, you're moving it over to like this digital programmatic advertising business that's growing much faster. And then, you know, in theory, better targeting, higher CPMs, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they've just been, it, it, it's not a huge part of the business, you know, so they're probably not getting a multiple for it. Um, and again, like the growth rates haven't been that attractive, right? And it's a REIT. So, you know, it's not like one of those situations where there's, you know, it, it's probably going to get a lot of attention um, and where the valuation has been pretty reasonable. So, you know, going forward, I think it's, it's a, more just a cyclical play. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Like the digital billboard is, is interesting. Like I, I think out of home generally is probably just more sticky. Like there's always going to be a need for it. Um, you know, is it going to be growing as fast as like social or search or even display? No, it's not. Um, but, you know, there are kind of two companies that like dominate like 80% of that market. Right. Um, and so I think there's an investable theme there. Um, and then you just kind of get to your price, like what you think the valuation was to worth. And then, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if we're going to be talking out in a big way, like a year from now, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I have the reason, like when I looked at it, um, I loved that, like you said, oligopolistic, a couple of companies control the space. It's, it's a position that can't really be disrupted, so to speak. You know, you see whoever it is coming from 10 miles away if there was a disruption um, just because of the nature of the business. And I liked the conversion that was ongoing. I, I agree with you. It's going like too slow to move like the growth, you know, the growth needle doesn't, you know, but at some point I they convert enough of the base that that there's kind of like that this maybe people change the way they see this company or the stock. Um I don't know. That's like a th yeah. In theory, I, right? I mean, that's for that's type of re rate. I mean, that's the bull case, right? Like that what you just described. That that type of re rating on the multiple. Um, yeah. I you know, I mean, look, like you, I mean, you get better ad now. load. You get more inventory, right? So, like, if you think about if you have like one billboard on the side of the highway, all else being equal, you know, one's digital, one's not. You know, you can get you can you can cycle through many more different ads, and so you can increase kind of the number of you can increase your load essentially right and it's also you know programmatic as well so you could also probably get a higher cpm um than you would otherwise so like i mean there's definitely a bull case here right which is why it's just you know it's just like with everything else like is it how timely topical is it like is it worth is it you know what's the what's the growth rates look like like when do we get there right because if it's you know two percent of the business going to ten percent you know in the next three years, like that's not really super exciting, especially if like 80%, 90% of the business is going to be like flat to down over that period. Like that's, yeah, you, you know, but if, but if you're like, you know, if you're like at 20% of the business, you know, going to 50, right. In the next like three years. Right. And then that 50% is growing like three X the other side of the business. And then all of a sudden you're consolidating growth rate lifts. Like that's, that's when it becomes, that's when it can potentially become interesting um, and unlike like other businesses in media 
especially on the legacy media side that are kind of undergoing like a similar transition, you know, not with, you know, well, yeah, with advertising job dollars. I mean, you're not really like looking at like a secular decline and being, you know, and, and losing market share to, you know, somebody else that's coming into the marketplace. Right. So I think, you know, at home is, is still interesting. I mean, everything, it's just the advertising space is funny because it's just like, you know, five years ago it was, you know, very clear, like, oh, this is my social media budget. This is my search. You know, it's still a small share, you know, and then like digital is much easier to classify. And now it's like digital is much harder, right? Because like everything's becoming digital. Like, you know, all these companies have some type of digital arm. You know, it's the same question of like, what's like, what's TV advertising, right? Like, is it advertise TV advertising, you know, through broadcast or cable, like when people are allocating dollars, like how different is that compared to like, spending on YouTube, you know, it, it's really not, especially since like, the, it's all about comes down to like, you know, just making the change in budgets and behavior and the way advertising is, you know, bought and sold. Um, and then also like, ultimately it comes down to demographics is like the key because, you know, if you're, you know, if you're going to be, if you're a healthcare company that's, you know, you know, trying to sell, you know, diabetes or cholesterol medication, like, you probably still want to advertise on like Fox news or like CNN or, you know, broadcast. But if you're like a direct to consumer products company, you know, that's trying to target like millennials, like, you know, TV is probably not going to be your best bet. So anyway, right. that's, yeah. Anyway. Yep. Right. Roku would be a lot better for that kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I, that's all my questions about kind of like the reopening swing um, that I had. I don't, Felix, I kind of marginalized you a little bit today. Did you have any questions you wanted to um, ask Andrew here before we wrap up? Yeah, uh, just a broad question for Andrew. Um, you know, obviously COVID is, at least for the U.S., is in a better condition now um, versus say last year. Have you seen any trends that hasn't changed, um, whether uh, you know pre-COVID versus post-COVID, whether it's in terms of user behavior, um, advertising, the agilization, anything that you want to kind of just address? Um, the reason I point this out is because uh, you know everybody's talking about change, but there's also areas in China where nothing has changed pre-COVID and post-COVID. So I was wondering if in your space you're seeing some trends that kind of has a more lasting impact. Yeah, um, you know, nothing, and maybe if I give it a little bit more thought, I, I can have a better answer, but nothing that really stands out. I mean, what are you seeing in China? Like, and maybe that will help me think a little, you know, jumpstart my thought process. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, digitalization is one component, right? People were already thinking about online channels before COVID really hit, and then COVID accelerated that. But then the question is, will they continue to use that online channel as things normalize? And what I've seen is some of my industries, uh, it, it, it's a yes and no to that question. So, yes. Some industries, for example, gaming has more normalized. Oh, I see. Others, yeah, others have more staying power and have basically unaffected. Well, um, yeah. 
Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was going to say, I mean, one thing that I think is really interesting is that, like, people thought that, like, this was going to be, like, the death of brick-and-mortar retail, right? Like, it was just going to be, like, done. Like, everyone's just going to shop online from now on. And that was going to be, like, a, like a 100% going to benefit Amazon, which it obviously did. But I think what's really interesting is we think about like e-commerce trends, like we actually, like it actually increased competition in e-commerce, right? Because on one hand you had like these brick and mortar retailers and even like these small businesses that prior to COVID, you know, maybe had like a nascent online presence, but like really was focused still on like, you know, the actual retail, like the four walls of the, of the retailer. Um, and, you know, COVID forced all these companies to create digital shops force all of them online. Um, and, you know, what Facebook did with Shopify, for example, with that integration last year, and really, you know, helping small businesses launch their own digital storefronts in the wake of COVID, like, that's something that's really interesting, because I think, you know, this whole e-commerce push, like, really accelerated. And yes, of course, like, the giant of that is Amazon benefited, but it's pretty obvious that, like, the long tail is starting to benefit from that shift as well. And so, you know, what we've been seeing so far this year is like the resurgence in omni-channel advertising and omni-channel advertising is like, you know, you know, Kohl's is serving me an ad on Roku and they're using my data to track my in-store transactions because they go down the street from me where there's a Kohl's and I buy something. And so because these companies have a, you know, even on the SMB side, like because they have a more of a digital presence now, they're able to leverage better data and tools that they didn't really have available to them before to really help drive faster, uh, I think what seems like to be faster growth. And it's also kind of what's driving a lot of the acceleration in performance advertising, you know, that we've seen at like a Facebook, for example. So that's, that's something that's interesting. So it's like almost as though like, you know, brick and mortar, like everyone thought it was going to die, but it's not. In fact, like brick and mortar is probably stronger today than it was, you know, well, it definitely was a year ago, but it's brick and mortar retail is probably stronger today than it was coming out of COVID or before COVID. If only because a lot of these companies have a force them on to having a greater online presence. So while like, you know, brick and mortar sales are probably not going to be going through the roof, like the actual businesses themselves taken as a whole, are better, right? So like mom and pop shop, toy store down the street that didn't have an e-com store, you know, is probably better today having an e-com store plus their, you know, having, you know, the actual store itself than it was without the e-com. So I think that's something that's really interesting and I've been planning on doing, you know, more work on. Also, there's um, also the um, COVID also like companies who are teetering on um, poorly managed, et cetera, and, and declining, um, brick and mortar, like kind of like store engagement or attendance, um, also disappeared. So, you know, disappeared or pulled back significantly on square footage. So as everyone goes back out into the world to, uh, shop, eat, Zen movies, whatever, you know, a bunch of the places that they used to go, um, have just shops that they used to go to the mall or whatever have disappeared. And the, remaining ones are narrow yeah. the narrow few who remain are also going to get a cyclical boost as a, because it takes take a long time share. to it takes a long time to kind of like reopen like physical like retail square footage and restaurants and things like that it doesn't you can't 
turn them back on as fast as they turned off. Um, so there's going to be kind of like a premium on those areas post COVID and they won't be losing from, they'll also have their online channel as well. So they'll be able to sell stronger, um, across both of those things. So it's kind of, um, uh, it's just interesting, um, changes from that side too. Definitely. Absolutely. Appreciate the insights. Felix, I do have a question. Like, you no, know, like China is like, three, six, probably like six months ahead of the U.S., you know, where, like, based on what you're seeing, like, where do you think the U.S. is going in the next three months, and where do you think we're going to end up? And did you guys, if you guys talked about this last pod, I, I apologize. I, 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 I did not catch that one yet. Um, but, you know, for my sake, I'd love to hear it. So with respect to reopening in China, yes, things have already normalized. I know you mentioned movie theaters at the beginning of the podcast, but the the movie theater situation is incredible right now in China. I think it's already surpassed all of U.S. sales last year in the, just a few months of this year. So, uh, yeah, movies are hip again. There's just a lot of hip shows in China that people are going out and, and, and watching. One is a drama series. One is a comedy series. So it seems like, you know, travel at least. Um, is coming back, and then you have the May holidays right now, uh, which is a very important public holiday in China, and you're hitting new records on visitation, uh, trends, uh, railroad, uh, you know, air, air travel. It's just, it's not only going back to pre-COVID levels, but it's actually growing. Uh, so in other words, if you comp against 2019, it's still showing growth. So it's pretty remarkable uh, how much China has recovered. Um, but we'll see, you know, at least on the online play, the online guys, they're taking a little bit of worry because, you know, people are going back to work, but they have less time to spend online. So, you know, um, some of the growth that you saw last year may potentially reverse this year, at least from a comp perspective, it's very difficult. Um, but from a reopening, you know, it's, it's been great. I think China is very, uh, relieved that it didn't, you know, at least COVID last year for a couple months didn't really structurally change the growth pattern that has been ongoing in this tremendous transformation that's ongoing in China. So, um, so that's that, you know, I, I would say. Cool. Um, no, that's super helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Well, um, I think we're basically out of out of time for today. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, Felix, and thanks, everybody, for listening. And we hope you'll join us next time on Unscripted Equity Curiosity. The preceding has been presented for informational purposes only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye's subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content.
content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at hedgeye.com slash terms of service.